and recording here. Cool. All right. Perfect. We'll do another intro. Father Peter, thank you for showing up. This has been uh, a debacle here trying to get this thing set up, um, but hopefully it doesn't crash on us and cut you off again. Uh, well, let's see where it goes. It's good to be here. <laughs> good, man. Uh, we met, what, maybe about a month ago. Uh, my girlfriend's niece had a wedding, and you officiated it. Um, and we just talked for just a few minutes, and um, uh, it was it was good to to pick your brain and uh, have a conversation with someone that that uh, thought about things the way that you you know you think about things. Um, I wanted to just if if anybody's coming in and watching this podcast for the first time, ever you know coming across you for the first time, um, uh, what got you into the priesthood? I know I kind of asked you when we when we met, but you know just kind of go into that for a minute and. See where that goes. Yeah, so I never wanted to be a priest. Uh, I get that question all the time. Why'd you want to be a priest? And I never did. But it was the end of my senior year of high school. Uh, I was just sort of laying in bed at night and started to ask big questions like, where did this world come from? What happens when this world's over? This, you know, I went to Catholic schools my whole life. I grew up Catholic, but is God really real? Um, what about this Jesus person? Is he really the son of God? And why does there have to be this church? And I found myself like unable to sleep. Like I'm like, these are questions that I need to know answers to. Right. Um, and so as I started exploring those answers, um, I was blessed with some good mentors in my life who could show me some good philosophy, some good theology. I started becoming convinced, look, God is real. Um, Jesus is the son of God. And if God is the one who created me, he knows me better than he knows myself. If he loves me, then he wants what's good for me. So what's going to bring me fulfillment in this life is kind of going down that path that he's prepared for me. And then it was just a process of searching. Lord, is this what you're asking of me? Because if so, that's what will bring me fulfillment. That's awesome. Um, and you said uh, down the path, did, and you felt like the priesthood was the path for you like to, to <laughs> kind of reach that fulfillment in life? Yeah, it took me a while to get there. Um, but there was just this sort of nagging sense that, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, the more I studied religion, the more I studied the life, it just sort of felt comfortable. I think it's like any kind of dating relationship though, right? Like as you go deeper and deeper into that relationship, you find and fall more and more in love. You sort of just begin to go, yeah, this is the right fit. Like this is what I was created for. Interesting. Yeah. What is it that, uh, makes you fall in love even more? You know, yeah, you know, Aristotle said that you can't love what you don't know. Um, and so, I mean, it makes sense. How do you love something if you don't know it? And so I think for me, a lot of it was coming to know God, um, both in a philosophical sense, but also in a spiritual sense as well. And that's a day by day progression, um, which is great. It's an infinite well where you can continue to fall more and more in love. But as I come to know him, come to love him more, and then I want to serve him more. Right. Yeah, it's uh, that philosophical angle is a, a pretty interesting angle because it, you know they are different, right? The philosophical uh, path to God um, is different than the spiritual. It seems sometimes, but then they they kind of are the different sides of the same coin. Um, at least for me, like I know we were talking a little bit. I, I used to coach a wrestling team, and and the guy I used to coach with has got his doctorate in philosophy and theology um, out of uh, the University of South Africa. I don't know if you've heard of that place, but um, but uh, but yeah, and so when I met him, uh, he he opened my mind up to rich theology, 
that I had never known growing up in the fundamentalist church, right? Um, which is just, it's anything Catholic is, uh, is laughed at or pushed to the side um, for, for silly reasons, right? We're all brothers and sisters, whatever denomination we're a part of. But, uh, but that's how it is in the fundamentalist church. And, and, and when I met him, I was like, oh, wow, there's this depth that I always felt spiritually there was. Um, I just didn't get that. I didn't get to feed on it when I was younger and when I was like, when I wanted it uh, in, the, in the philosophical sense, which would have fed me spiritually. You know what I mean? Well, so it makes perfect sense, right? So if God is the author of this world, he's the author of both faith and reason. So several years ago, the famous Pope John Paul II wrote a whole letter on faith and reason. He was kind of asking this question, what's this relationship between faith and really reason? And he opens it beautifully. He says, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of the truth. You need them both. Mm-hmm. They feed into each other. They go back and forth, right? So what are they both pursuing? They're pursuing truth. And as Jesus tells us in the scriptures, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting um, way of going about it because like, it, it, I feel like the, the greatest thing that a fundamentalist can do is to read theology. Um with someone like you who knows the history of it, right, um, and can explain it to to them because that's exactly what happened to me. When we were coaching wrestling, um, we'd talk about wrestling, and then at the end we'd sit around for two hours talking about movies, philosophy, theology, and he was he was introducing it to me and, like, giving me little excerpts from the Summa. You know, hey, go home and read this, and I would read it, and I'm like, I... I kind of got this part. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty confusing, but the last part's the most important part. Um, uh, and so we would just go over it in a, in a conversational manner, right? Um, it was a one-on-one kind of teaching. and uh, But the only, only way I could do that was because I respected him and we were friends. We had a, we had a, we had a common interest, which was wrestling. You know, I think people downplay that and, Especially because um, in the fundamentalist church, like you know, as an evangelical, you're you're very uh, very much preached to um, to spread the the word, right? Uh, whatever means possible, and um, every every relationship I have, I can have harder conversations with. The more that friendship is built, right? And I think I think uh, that was something that wasn't like prioritized. You know, friendship over, over everything else. You know, you know, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it makes perfect sense, right? So, if from even a fundamentalist perspective, open the scriptures, right? Jesus summarizes all the law and the gospels very simply. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the right. second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right. What does love mean? It means I want what's best for you. Yeah. But it takes a while. You got to develop that community. You got to develop that relationship. Before you can even have the conversation, absolutely. I was uh, I was talking to a client of mine because I'm a I'm a personal trainer um, out here in L.A. and uh, I was talking to a client of mine and he quoted the Golden Rule. But you know as well as I do, they always quote the second part. And I'm like, do you know there's a first part? He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, of course there is, because it wouldn't make sense to just do the second part. You know, if you have no relationship with your Creator, you know. And uh, I, I think that's uh, you're you're right, man. That 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 first part is uh, 
that's devastating because like once that relationship that love that you know that you're building with with your your creator with God on a continual basis is is influencing every other relationship that you're attempting to build right um but uh but that, that's uh but got but getting you on the path of the priesthood um is it um what aspects of it really drew you um to going down that road yeah i think there were a couple aspects one there was this i do have this feeling that it's a personal calling from jesus christ that i am called to serve in a manner similar to how he served in his own person to continue his mission right so jesus tells us before he ascends to the right hand of the father behold i am with you always until the end of the age Right. So, well, how's he with us? Right. Well, yeah, we have a relationship with him, but he sent people into this world to continue that saving work. We're all called to do that as Christians. But I felt that sort of impetus, that mandate to go and to teach and to preach and to lead people to Christ. But then also beyond that, this sort of personal calling is to realize, look, each of us has a part to play. St. Paul talks about the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So each of us is given a different function to play in this role. And if this is the role that God's given me, great, I'm going to do my part. And people who have different roles are going to do their part. And we're going to work together to build up this kingdom here on earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're part of the body for sure. Um, did, did the history of the priesthood kind of tantalize you in a way that like, oh, I've got, a, I've got like a blueprint of all these great teachers who have gone before me that I can emulate and learn from. Certainly. I mean, as Catholics, history yeah. is extremely important to us, right? So Jesus became man. He entered into the world. He walked this earth. And we believe he left us a church. Um, and so, you know, as I was really wrestling with that question of who is God? Is the Catholic Church real? Is this where God works? History was my key. I went back to the early church. What did he form? Look at the Acts of the Apostles, right? What happened? Look at the earliest Christian communities. What did they look like? What did they do? What did they believe? How did they live? And then I look at our great tradition as Catholics. Some of the greatest intellectual thinkers were Catholic. I mean, you mentioned the Summa, Thomas Aquinas. But even look at the practical things. Father Mendel, the father of modern genetics, right? The things we enjoy, champagne came from monks, right, yep. beer is solidified <laughs> yeah. by monks. You That's know, true. I mean, so it, it's not just the philosophical, it's the scientific, it's yeah. the even the social and the enjoyable stuff as well. There's this huge tradition here yeah. that has to be taken seriously. Um, and really any objection I might have along the way, for the most part, you can open up Thomas and he's giving you an answer. Right. Um, but even if he doesn't have it, you see it with the other thinkers as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that is true. Um Whenever people uh, have brought up uh, the Big Bang to me, um, and they didn't know where it came from, and I'm like, "All right, well, if you, if I tell you it's from a priest, would you get angry?" You know, and they're like, "Ah, uh, is it?" You know, and uh, that's true, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course. And today, even the strongest observatory in the world is run by the Vatican. The right. Vatican Observatory is the number one respected. Astrology center in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I just I just feel like the the biggest misconception between people who are uh, into scientism um, uh, is the, the lack of communication with religious people. You know, with 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 educated religious people. 
Totally agree. So in addition to having a master's in theology and a master's in divinity, I got a master of science in bioethics. Oh, wow. And when people hear like, wait, like you deal with medicine and science? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. the two go together. Like right. I get this weird look from docs and scientists. They're like, yeah. what do you have to say? And I'm like, well, we can use science yeah. to come to understand this creation that God created. There, there, there's no conflict between the two. I have never found a point in my studies where faith and reason contradict each other. Agreed, yeah. They actually, they actually fill in the puzzle yeah. and help fill in some of those holes that we have. Yeah. And we shouldn't be afraid to have that conversation. Right, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I think on both sides, um, there is uh, there's some type of animosity, you know. I mean, you know, it's like rival schools, you know, in rival towns, you know, like, we're going to win this football game, you know. But we, we, we need each other to make each other better, you know. <laughs> Well, I think that's the challenge then is, you know, you know, one of the things I love about people like our age yeah. is whether we acknowledge it or not, we're pursuing truth. Like what's the thing people at our age hate the most? Lies. We hate hypocrisy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So even for this world that claims to be all relativistic, we're really not. Like right. the thing we hate is lies. Yeah, we're we need objective truth. reality. Right. So great. Let's start having those conversations. Maybe previous generations did get into these turf wars. Right. We don't need it. Let's find truth. Right. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to somebody the other day. Uh, it might have been Hart, might have been David Bentley Hart, but he was talking about how uh, atheists are are uh, it's 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 very hard to live um, in a way that that shows that you don't believe in God or that that God doesn't exist. It's very hard to do that. It's almost it's impossible. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's you know you know the. Uh, when I when you think of atheists, like I, I've I've got some atheist friends, and um, you know you, you find some very moralistic uh, atheist people, and um, and I used to, when I was younger, I used to I used to th- I used to not understand that, but now I do. Now that I'm older, I'm like, well, yeah, because we were created by God. Like it it doesn't matter if you if you don't believe. Oh, do you go out on me? He's back. Wow. Into the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, even if you, you, you say that you don't believe, it's uh, you, you're created by him, and so you live in a way that reflects him. Um, and when people, when you say that to somebody, that it almost irritates them, right? And, you, and I, I wouldn't say that to somebody out of like, ha-ha, still, I gotcha. You know what I mean? I'm not, that's... You know that's not it's not helpful. I don't want to have those relationships, but uh, but it is informative. You know, to like wow, even even when I can't, even when I think otherwise, like I am living a certain way that reflects my Creator. But I think it goes back to the community and the relationship, right? We got to develop these relationships. Like my closest friends, we can call each other out. We can have a serious, and they know it's coming from that place of love. Like, look, you say you believe this, but you're not living like you do. Or you're living like you believe this and you're saying you don't. Where Where's the yeah. disconnect? But, you know, um, Thomas Aquinas says, look, there's a natural desire to know God. It's imprinted on the human heart. Look at history. Every history, really, until modern man has had religion. They've looked different. You know, you've had pagan religions. You've had different monotheistic religions. You've had some of the Eastern religions. But there's this interior search mm-hmm. for God. And even people who are struggling with whether God is real or not, you can't look up in the sky at night and not ask, 
where did this come from? Right. Right. That's a theological philosophical question. There's some level of searching there. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to uh, somebody they were talking about uh, how religion used to be thought of as a virtue. You know, and that that is part of our existence is be, being religious. Um, it was there was no shame in that. It was accepted that that is a part of of the part of. And he goes out again. <laughs> you know, from now on, every time I say something that I start laughing at, I'm gonna stop because I think when I start laughing, it's triggering this this uh, thing to cut off. But uh, but no, what I was saying was, you know, religion was considered a virtue because it was part of the human existence. No, certainly. And I, you know, I think it still is. We can try and run and pretend that it's not. But I think at the end of the day, if we're honest with ourselves, we ask those questions. We realize that it is. And so, you know, there may be some hostility towards religion. Um, but I think that hostility towards religion is perhaps hostility towards what religion is perceived as rather than what religion actually is. Absolutely. I, I agree with that, man. Because, like, even, even as a Christian, um, like I said, I was I was born and raised in the fundamentalist church, and then when I was twenty two, twenty three, the the floodgates of of the history of the church were open to me, and um, it changed my whole relationship with my walk with with God, um, and and my search for truth. Right, um, but uh, but yeah, it was the way I was looking at it. It was it was the lack of it, uh, information I had, the lack of knowledge I had. Um, and you see that a lot with uh, with younger people, right? Who who go away from Christianity or whatever their religion is. It's some type of uh, animosity towards, you know, the an authority figure or you know, uh, being emotionally immature when you know when they did something wrong and they shouldn't, you know, they they couldn't take the uh, reper- you know the the repercussions of what they did or something like that. There's something personal there that gets in the way, and. Um, I, I saw that with a lot of uh, a lot of the kids that I would coach at the private Christian school where I was at, and uh, they would leave and go to college, and they would come back, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't, I'm just not into that stuff anymore." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is that time in your life. That's cool. That's cool. I get it. That happens, but but don't don't think that this is how it's always going to be." You know, your relationship with with reality is going to change the older you get, and hopefully, it's more informed. Um, so, making like hard, distinct uh, decisions about there is no God, like it seems emotional right now. You know, just let that let that ride for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think even if you want to eliminate religion as a virtue, which I really don't as a religious person, but even if you do. I think we have to acknowledge that pursuit of truth should be a virtue. Yeah. You know, truth is just the statement of conformity to reality, right? You can't live your life without it. Look, how do I know the ground's hard? Well, I better not take a step because I don't really know. You know, mm-hmm. um, the pre-Socratic philosophers were like this. You had like the stylites who believed everything was in motion. So they sat on a pole. Like, mm. I actually admire that guy. Like, you're nuts, but I admire you because right. at least you're willing to live your life like you believe. Right. You know, I'd go watch you. I'd go sit there and <laughs> yeah, go. I laugh at you, but I'd watch you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I'd admire the fact that you're honest about it. Yeah, I like that but commitment. But I think that's the challenge with some of these people. It's like, look, before you take such a hard position, show me your proof. Yeah. So you want to say there's no God, you better be able to prove that. Just as you should be able to demand of me when I say there is a God, yeah. that I have some proof for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, you want to have these conversations and then um, just personally, you know, it's like, obviously, I'm not perfect. There's no, uh, <laughs> no surprise there. But, you know, right. w- when, you, when you do believe in God, um, that informs your life and hopefully for the better. Um, and sometimes it, 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 it's, uh, you create a little bitterness there. Um, because of maybe how you think it should be since you believe in God, how your life should be since you believe in God. And uh, the older I get, and we're, we're around the same age, it's like, uh, that's all on me. Like, that's, I, I've got to get to a point where I can accept life as it is because it's, it is how it is, and that's how it was, I was created into it as. Um, and uh, a lot of, a lot of I, th- I feel like adults, and I don't say this in a mean way, but like, we are still dealing with uh, that emotional response when we were younger to to the authority of our church or pastor or something and, and that uninformed uh, um, Christian uh, meat that we were we were trying to eat on when we were younger. We just didn't have enough. And um, it just wasn't ex- expressed to us. At least for me, it wasn't expressed to me in the way that would inform me and help me grow in that relationship the older I got. Well, I agree. And, you know, actually, as a priest, this weighs pretty heavily on me almost every day, right? I'm coming into contact with people. And for a lot of people, I'm going to be the face of religion, for better or for worse, yeah. uh, for them. And my actions could set them on a path in or out. You know, we know from studies that the average age that people start doubting the existence of God is as early as sixth or seventh grade. And sadly, they got these questions, but we don't have people in their life who can answer them. Yeah. You know? There, there are good answers and dialogue that if we could begin to encourage good conversation. But even going back to this notion of some resentment, I think that's very true. I think some of it is we have to get over ourselves and our own perfections. I think a lot of us realize, hey, I got to live my life in conformity to things, you know, cognitive dissonance. Is sometimes it's just easier to say it's not true because it helps me sleep at night. Um, when it takes a maturity to say, no, like, that's not good in my life. And I'm going to um, man up for lack of a better word and own it and say, that's not good for me. I'm going to get away from it. Yeah. Um, to not be afraid to say, look, I've gone down the wrong path. That's fine. I'm glad I noticed it now. Right. So that I get back up and live my life as life should be lived. And, and that's the key. Like I, I found myself. Um, and when you grow up with a, with an unintellectualized uh, theology, um, you, and you're and you're preached to spread the gospel, right? To evangelize, that's all you're doing. And I realized at a certain point, I looked at my life, and I'm like, "Am I even living my life in the best way uh, with the knowledge that I have?" And I wasn't. And I was like, "Well, then why am I so concerned about others' acceptance of God when I've accepted Him, and I'm not I'm not showing it in my day to day life?" Um. And that's when I uh, I was like, okay, well then I'm missing something. I need to, I need to do some inner work and figure out what's going on here. Um, and that's a hard thing to do. It is. I mean, but it's a very simple philosophical principle. I can't give you what I don't have. Can't give you a hundred bucks if I don't have a hundred bucks. Yeah. Can't introduce you to Jesus if I don't first know him. Right. Um, but I think that's where it goes back to love. Right. And that's where it goes back to this great commandment to love God above all things and to love our neighbor. How as ourself, which then implies that we have a healthy self-love. 
Yeah. A healthy love that says, I want what's best for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't give that for you unless I've got it for me. Yeah, and that's 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 the hardest thing, right? To love yourself. I mean, just I mean, I know a lot of people, yeah. and we're yeah. we're all struggling with self love, right? Well, but then it, it becomes the question: Well, why should I love myself? Right. And if you don't have faith to answer that, you're in trouble, right? If yeah, it's a hard answer, a question Jesus answer. Yeah. God, it's all narcissism. I should just love myself because it's about me. Well, no. Go back to the very beginning of scriptures. We're created in God's image and likeness. Each and every one of us is willed and loved by God. And I should love myself because of who I am. Yeah. I'm created and willed and loved by God. Therefore, I should have that love in return for myself. Yeah. And without that, though, in a world that so often discounts God, how do you love you? What's the purpose of loving yourself if there's no faith? Yeah, exactly. And and when your uh when your understanding of God is just this judgmental hellfire and brimstone version, it's like, all right, well, that's not going to work for me. You know? We all have mo- yeah, we all have moments in our life. I think you've had them. You read once something you're like, "Whoa, that stuck with me," right? One of the things that stuck with me in my studies is go back to your friend Thomas in another work, his Summa Contra Gentiles. He's talking about like what all this sin stuff is. And he says, look, God is only offended by us when we act against our own good. Mm. It's this notion that God made me in a certain way. Yeah. And he loves me. So he wants what's best for me. So it's not that God just wants to punish me when I do wrong. No, like a parent, he's upset when I do wrong. Not because it hurts him. Because it hurts me. Yeah. And he doesn't want me to be hurt. Right. And so I think sometimes we got to step back and realize, look, this is who God really is. And we got to get away from some of that. Like it's authoritative, like just punishment. Um, and I, in my own faith journey, understanding myself as a son of God has really helped with that. Right? That's awesome. Even for perfections amongst parents, et cetera. We know what parents should be. No parents perfect. Right? right. That's just the human nature, but we can still say what a parent should be. Yeah. And seeing myself in that relationship with God then allows me to help love myself because I can see how God loves me. Right. And it gives me that reason to want to strive. You know, think about the best coaches you ever had. You don't perform for them because you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to run laps. You don't, you know, whatever. You right. don't want to get benched. You perform for them because you know that all the stuff they're making you go through, is going to make you better. And I think so. I mean, that's who God is. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. Yeah. So these things are designed to help us reach fulfillment. Yeah, you brought up a good point like uh, that, and that's why uh, when I was coaching wrestling, it was so amazing to coach with a guy who uh, had a deep understanding of his Christian faith and um, was was trying to be that example of a good coach for kids. And and you don't realize it, but like you know, a lot a lot of I've done a, some research in child psychology, and like um, a lot of people's uh, relationship with God is is how they had a relationship with their own father. And and yes, in theory, you know, God is it's the perfect father, but if you've got a really bad example of a father, it's almost unbelievable, you know. And so those other men in your life um, end up doing more work for you than your own father. And uh, we, we, had a, we had a bunch of kids that, you know, didn't have the best relationship with their dad, but loved the head coach like their dad. You know, and so they had that good relationship with a male father figure that they could relate with God and him wanting what's best for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge, right? We live in this imperfect world just in love in general, right? So how am I supposed to love myself if I don't even know what it means to love? 
And so if I look around the world and I see all these imperfect forms of love, that's what I project onto God. It doesn't work. And so, yeah, whether it's a role model, whether it's a father, at some point, a faith journey does require somebody who loves us as a father. Otherwise, we're never going to understand yeah. to any level how our father loves us from heaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know I don't want to keep you too long because I've already kept you long enough, but I wanted to ask you one question. Did you see the new trailer for the Matrix movie? I have not, but it's on my list of things to do. There's a second it, trailer that just dropped like yesterday. Okay. Which makes it even weirder. And in the in the trailer, he's he's watching scenes from the Matrix movie. Weird. So I'm pretty excited. And it comes out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Now as wow. go ahead. What, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna ask you about AI and that book that you told me to uh to look up, but I know we just we ran out of time for the first podcast, but All right, well you have to have me back. I will, man. I will. But what was that book that uh, that you uh told me to look up? So a book I highly recommend is The Science Before Science by Dr. Antonio Rizzi. Okay. Uh, Dr. Rizzi, is a he's a physicist and a philosopher, and his whole point is, look, in order to have the science that you all want to have, you got to have philosophy, or the science collapses on itself. Right. Cool. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for this, man, and let's do it again. Yeah. Let's say, you know, look, this is, it's again, it's what I love about people our age, people younger than us, the truth. Just sit down, have a conversation. I'm good with differences. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's see where it leads us. And I'm a big believer that when Jesus says the truth will set you free. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, man. And and one of the reasons I started this podcast is for kids out there uh, that want, that are, you know, when you said seventh grade, they're, they're questioning God, they're going to Google it. And if they can find something like this where two people are talking about it, um, that's going to be really helpful. You know, that could, that could put someone down a, a path where they're not destroying their life. I mean, I, I feel like that's worth it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it was, I was excited meeting you at the wedding reception. You don't get to, I go to a lot of wedding receptions. You don't get those kind of conversations at a lot of them. So that's true. Enjoyed it there. Enjoyed it here. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Absolutely, brother.